Rowan. Okay. Um, how old are you for the record? I'm 34. Who are you and how would you describe yourself? Oh, wow. Um, my name is Courtney Christensen and I am a writer and activist, I think I would call myself actually. Um, how would I describe myself? I, I, I would actually probably fall back on the way other people describe me, um, which is probably passionate and uh, driven. I believe very deeply in things and I believe very deeply that we can make a difference in issues that matter to us. And so I've, I've dedicated my life to helping people make a difference in the things that they care about and discover what those things are in the first place. Is that a good enough answer? Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a great enough answer. It's a, uh, sometimes, based on how people answer these, the next question is like more or less appropriate. Okay. Um, but I'm going to give you this one anyways because I think it'll, it'll, um, you'll expand on what you just said. But what, what matters to you? Um, that's a good question. I think what matters most to me is that people are living in such a way and that I myself am living in such a way that we have a positive impact on the people around us and the planet. Um, I just think it, it's easy to go through life and accidentally have negative impact on everyone and everything. Um, because I think the way that our world is set up right now, if uh, passivity leads to negative outcomes in American culture in particular, is even if you just go with the flow, you're still going to have a really negative impact unintentionally on on, the, on people in the world and on the, on the planet itself. And so I think the thing that matters to me most is that we think a little bit more about that and we are more intentional about the impact that we're having, um, both on the small scale, on the everyday impact that we have on our family, on our children, on the people that we interact with, from the barista at the coffee shop to um, the people that we see in the grocery store, to a much bigger impact of how we buy and how we live and how we dispose of our waste and all of these things and the much greater impact that that has on the world around us. Um, so I think what matters most is is being intentional about the impact that we have. Uh, what motivates you, or, or like, where does that uh, care come from? Um. I think it comes from two things. I think the first is is kind of innate to who I am. Um, I think that there is I'm I'm driven to do something bigger than myself. Um, 
and I, I'm not entirely sure what, like where exactly that comes from, um, but it's just who I am. And I, I spent a lot of years, I think that the second piece of that is I spent a lot of years trying to ignore the fact that I care about these things. And it led me to a, a place that was really dark. <laughs> it, I, I tried to live the way I was supposed to live mm-hmm. for eight years. And um, I have two little kids and I, I, I tried to do all the things that I was supposed to do. And at the end of the day, it felt so meaningless in so many ways. And I didn't understand why I was waking up every day to do these things. I was like, what does it matter in 20 years if I've done this for the next 20 years? Like, what do I have to show for it? I have my kids, but they're not going to be that awesome (laughs) because it's just like so very baseline. Like it's just keeping them alive and it's making sure they have the right clothes and it's making sure they have the right opportunities. And it's not actually creating people that I will want to be around. Mm. And, uh, so I think trying to ignore that sense of purpose and that sense of um, these are just the things I'm passionate about, it's the things I'm interested in, and I I tried to ignore it for a long time and it fell apart. And um, and I think we all have those things, and I think they're different for everyone. Uh, what it is that we can't not do, but mm. I think we've all got something that we can't not do. Mm. And I think those are the things that we, if we pursue them, will not only be happier and more fulfilled, but will also make an actual difference in the world Hmm. rather than trying to shove those things down, those sense, whatever it is that gives us a sense of purpose or, I don't know, a sense of whatever we feel called to, for lack of a better word. Hmm. so I don't know if that's a good answer, but that's my answer. Yeah, so all of your answers will be uh, great. <laughs> and, and, and this one, I, I think, will just uh, this one's just for you, I suppose. Why is the rewards system? Um, In contrast to what you, you're saying, or, or why does the why is the reward for living that way that you're that the, the word you use was supposed to live mm-hmm. versus uh, a more um, intuitive versus living in a more intuitive or productive or, or passionate way? Like, do you have a theory <laughs> about why? the rewards for one are different than the other? No, but why the the, the one in place mm. uh, is um, counterproductive? Oh, well, yeah. So the system as it is, <laughs> it, it has no value for, for people. There's no... Um, everyone, because, because of the way the system is set up, people are assigned value according to their economic value. And so our humanity actually has no value in the current system unless you have dollars to back it up. And so because of that, our system um, needs, (laughs) 
our system needs you for your money. And so it, it dehumanizes you and it, it strips you away from of all your meaning and your purpose beyond your economic contribution. And, um, and not only is that create an emptiness inside of us because we know that we're more than our money. Uh, we feel that, but there is nothing in the world that actually assigns value to us beyond our money um, or beyond a commodified use of whether it's likes on social media or something like that. But that's also just monetized, right? They need mm. your likes in order to get more money. And when you boil people down to their economic contribution, it's gross on a lot of levels. And it also just feels terrible. And so um, we try to mask that by, by fixing it, by, by getting more things that feel valuable or make us feel valuable. But that just requires more money. And so we're contributing more into this system that continues to devalue us, trying to find more value, but we're just further devalued. So it's this really awful system of that's a lose-lose for us and a win-win for um, sort of the economic machine, uh, large corporations and, and things like that, the very few that, that benefit from it. But really it just it strips us away of everything that makes us human. It, it strips us away from of everything that really makes us feel valuable and feel meaningful. And the only way then to, to recapture, to, to take back that value is to find it elsewhere. And I think that value lives inside of us. And the things, the thing that gives us purpose, we'll have that thing. And so if we can find it and pour our resources into developing that thing, whatever it happens to be that we are passionate about, that's when we start to feel rehumanized. And it's when we start to see the humanity of others too, is when they're doing their thing. Those are the people that we admire, the people who are full of value outside of their economics. And so by, by investing more into, into those things, it, it gives more value back. It's a win-win. And it not only changes us, but it changes the world around us and the people around us. What do we mean to each other? You and me, but like you and anyone and anyone and anyone. Individual to individual. Hmm. That has a lot of depth, that question. I mean, I know what we could mean to each other mm. and what I think we ought to mean to each other. Um, I, I think humans and our, our fellow people are... I think they're the fullest expression when they're healthy people, even when they're not healthy, maybe. They're the fullest expression of... of beauty, maybe, of meaning, uh, is what we could be to one another. I don't think that's what we are to one another at this point. Again, there's very little economic value to relationship. And I think that's why we tend to devalue it as a culture. Um, 
but there's so much meaning and purpose and transformation. You get to know yourself by knowing others, and there's a lot of value in that. There's a lot of meaning in that. Um, and by experiencing someone else, you get to experience more fully the world because we are all a reflection of our, our story, of our past, of, of our experiences, and they, those things shape us. And so they're transformative. We are transformative, valuable, value-adding things. They I think people are what make life meaningful, purposeful, and valuable. What does community mean to you? And, and I'm, I'm like trying to steer people away from like this geographic sure. um, meaning or, or, or other definitions, but like impact. Sure. I think community is... I think it's finding other people who value you for who you are and finding other people that you value for who they are. And I think it's recognizing the best in each other and calling that further out and challenging the parts that are less valuable, um, less meaningful, maybe less true. And so you get a community as a group of people who build up what needs building up and the really beautiful parts of who you are and they help you heal from the parts that are broken and they help you move past the parts that aren't helpful mm-hmm. and they thus make you a more beautiful person and you make them more beautiful and that's how the world changes. all of these with like the things you've already said but um, you keep answering them differently so I'm encouraged to just keep asking what concerns you? I think that the emptiness of people and and the way that that's exploited and become becoming worse is the most concerning thing to me it's like a, it's a kind of poverty. And I think in America, and I can really only speak to American culture because it's my culture, um, there is a poverty of soul that is deeply concerning to me, of a poverty of personhood that isolates, that isolates us into like me and mine and me first, and isolates us from from true community, which is what we were talking about, right? And and becoming more and more isolated, and then finding your value in in things, in consumeristic pursuits, it just makes us emptier and emptier and emptier. And when we're empty, we don't have resources we can't possibly invest in those around us. We can't possibly pour anything out into anyone else because we are so devalued by everything around us. We're devalued by people around us and then we're devalued by ourselves. 
and it, it creates this poverty of mindset, of culture, of soul, of experience, a poverty of community, of belonging. It's all the things that matter. It's all the things that lead to change. It's all the things that give us purpose. So then there's also a poverty of purpose and it's just the emptiness spirals. So I think that's, to me, the most concerning thing and it's the thing that has to change if we want a more equitable world. If I'm being too vague, you can tell me that and I can speak in more specifics. I'm speaking very conceptually. I don't know, I like it a lot. My smile probably doesn't show up on the audio, but it's there. Uh, I, I mentioned it to you briefly, like before we started the interview, but um, and I guess I'm morphing this question um, due to other participants kind of restructuring it for me, but um, we're becoming uh, more and more reminded of the different social injustices. Um, so I, I was asking for a long time, what's your role or one's role in the fight against them? But um, I think for you and maybe moving forward, I'll, this will be more appropriate. Um, why do you think social justice has to be a thing to work towards and I don't mean what's the importance of social justice but like why aren't we living in it like why is that a lesson we need to be learning sure yeah um, you know I think there's several ways to answer this question I, part of the issue, honestly, is human nature. It's um, for our for our own survival, right? We are tribal beings, and part of being a tribe is knowing who's in and who's out because you need to know who to fight with and who to fight against. And so, our basic understanding of of who's in and who's out uh, requires humanizing some people and dehumanizing other people. And this is just basic human psychology is we need, we need to know who's in and we need to know who's out. And, and that's created an hierarchy over time, right? Of who has power. And it's much more comfortable to say you're out and you're in than to say everyone's in, we're in it together. And we have the technology now to be that way, to say we're in this together, but we're fighting against human psychology and we're fighting against power. We're fighting against the fact that there is an unequal distribution of power. And in order to create a just society, the people with power are gonna have to give some of that up or we're gonna have to take it from them. <laughs> and neither of those are pleasant. Um, because once you have power, equality can feel like oppression, mm -hmm. right? And so we're not there because power has been taken and power has been taken, I think originally because it was 
just part of life. And then we have created ways to justify that unequal distribution of power over the centuries. And um, it's often done with religion, it's often done with race, it's often done with gender. Um, there, it's easier and safer to, and it's more natural maybe, to fight for your own well-being and to maintain your own well-being because worrying about someone else's well-being is expensive. It's costly in all the ways that matter to us. It costs time, it costs resources, it costs energy, it costs money. To worry about someone else's well-being, it's just easier to maintain the power in our own well-being. Um, and the only way that you're going to be willing to expend those resources on other people is if you are filled up yourself with value for yourself and value for them. But with the poverty of soul that we have here, there is no resources left to say you are, you are just as important as I am. We're empty of those values. We're empty of that purpose. And so our purpose becomes like get more and and perpetuate my own well-being and get more power and get more money. And it's the individualistic nature of our society, the power structures of our society not only allows that, but actually validates it, justifies it. And... Um, so is it, we're even in a place, and I think maybe this is changing, where it's not only what is done to like maintain power, but for a lot of people, it feels right. Mm. And to not uphold those power structures feels wrong. Mm. And that's how twisted things have become. That's where the, the poverty has really done a number on us mm. of... And that's where the tribal mentality also maintains that of like, it would be wrong to betray my tribe to help them. It's only when you expand those borders and say, there is no us and them, right? There's only we. Mm -hmm. um, and my well-being is wrapped up in your well-being. And I can't be well while I'm harming you. And you can't be well while I'm harming you. And so the only way to stop is for me to give up and again, that's expensive, and we don't have the resources, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, maybe, to to be willing, and even we ought to be eager to make a world that's more just, but it feels like oppression to the people in power. Mm -hmm. That was a really long, complicated answer. <laughs> uh, I like that. It, it brings uh, a lot of follow-up questions to mind, but... It also implies that like you have the answers and, and you know maybe maybe yeah. I, I have very few lots of thoughts very yeah, few thoughts. answers yeah <laughs> I'm 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 still curious about it. I don't know this might even just be rhetorical but uh, if a, if it's possible and instead of removing power to just redefine it and then one would one would wake up without it <laughs> because it it has changed definition uh, 
Hmm. And I'm also wondering if there's um, some kind of opposition much in the same way as this us versus them as they're in uh, we versus me mm. and if, if me people are are going to be really angry about we people um, coming together you know what's interesting so that, that's an interesting question um, and I actually think that even the me people they have a tribe they're not they're not alone. Um, no one's actually alone. And so I had an interesting experience. Uh, it must have been in April, March, April. Um, I went to a NRA event here in town. There was a NRA foundation gala, gala, however you say that word. I never know. Gala. Gala. Um, and some people were protesting it, and I decided to engage with it differently. Because I've tried this, this was my third attempt to engage in a protest in a different way. Um, because I just don't feel like it's very productive oftentimes. Um, I have no problem with protesting or demonstrations, but um, I think there surely has to be a more sort of uh, constructive way to go about opposing things. So I went to try to talk to people, to engage the people at this event, because I wanted to understand them. I was like, I, my perception of them is one thing, but if that's actually the truth, I don't know why they'd be here. So I think I'm misunderstanding them, and I think they think that I'm against them. So let's go like have a conversation and see if we can find common ground. Because everything in culture is telling me that I can't find common ground with these people, and I take that as a challenge. <laughs> if someone tells me something's impossible, I'm like, oh, watch me. So I showed up at this event with a table with a sign that was like, here to listen, come talk to me, tell me why you're here. And it took a little while. The protesters were really upset that I was there and made me like move away from them, which was kind of sad. That kind of bummed me out. Um, but they were like, well, if you're not with us, then you're against us. And I was like, but you know, what if we're all together? And that, they weren't having that. So I talked to three, three people, men, all of them, that were at this event. And it was really interesting. They all thought that we were enemies. They thought I hated them, which I do not. I, do not, I don't even know them. Mm -hmm. And the first guy that walked up, he like came up super angry and... Um, I am big into nonviolence and nonviolent communication, so came up yelling at me, and I was like, "Hey, like, I, I'm just, like, I'm just here to listen." And he was like, "What? No, why are you here?" <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, no, I, I'm really, I just want to understand. Like, I'm just here to listen and understand." And he goes, "You're shitting me," and I was like, "Nope." <laughs> he goes, "No one does that." And I was like, I know, but I do. Like, will you help me understand where you're coming from? And his whole demeanor changed. Yeah. Whole thing. His name was Johnny. He was a rancher. And he felt like the NRA was the only one that had his back. And he's, you know, the America first type of guy. And I think a lot of us 
see people who say things like that, then he's, you know, for all intents and purposes, has a lot of power socially, economically. Um, and you would perceive him as being someone who's maybe trying to maintain power structures and maybe as a me first kind of guy, but he, he has a we, right? Like he is just trying to find his people and so am I. And actually we had a lot in common. And when we got down to it, we agreed on more than we disagreed. And that shocked him. It shocked me quite frankly. Um, but at the end of it, he could not walk away and say all people on the left are evil. They hate us. He, could, he can't say that because he met me mm-hmm. and I didn't hate him and I'm not evil by most accounts. Mm-hmm. There isn't a, an us and there isn't a them. It feels like it, but that's not reality. It's just you have to wake up and see that reality because that's not how it feels most days. And I think the only way to do that is in person. It's to rehumanize the other through conversation by shaking hands, by telling him about my kids and him telling me about his grandkids. Because that's why he was doing that. He was there. He was like, I... I, I'm afraid my land's going to get taken away because in this country, if you don't have guns, you can't protect your lands. Look at what happened to the Indians. Hmm. Which is an odd argument, and I never would have expected it from him. But he was concerned about that. And, you, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, well, why can't... like So we both want a country where that can't happen. Hmm. How, how can we make that happen? And by shifting, you kind of like re-spin the social setup. Mm-hmm. And it's so disorienting that you have to find a new place to land. And I think that's really important to mm-hmm. disorient people. Because we all live in our bubbles where everything makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it, it's us versus them, and they're the problem, and we're the answer. And mm-hmm. it's, just not, it's just not true. What do you want more of in your life? Um, I want... Hmm, what do I want more of in my life? I want to spend more time on people and things that matter and less time and energy and money on things that don't. And I want to surround myself with other people who want that same thing. Those are the questions, okay. uh, but I'd like to leave the last one if you want to throw anything else out there. I'm tempted to, to try an experiment. Okay. Um, but I'm aware that it, 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 I'm aware that there might be some drawbacks. Uh, maybe not for today, but for the future. But um, after you answer that, or after you say your piece, it, would you like to ask me a question that I would like answer um, in writing, like after this time? Sure. I would like put that on on there. It's just yeah. an experiment, the first time. Sure. I'm willing to take a gamble. Okay, let's try it. All right.
I think um, I think the only thing that I would say is that they're like the only place to start change when you feel overwhelmed or when you don't know where to start is with what's right in front of you. Like whatever skills and gifts you have, whatever resources you have in front of you. Um, if it's a camera, for me it was a camera and it was a keyboard. Whether it's connections, whether it's dance, whether it's art, whether it's construction, like I don't care. Like start with what you're good at or what you care about and just go deeper into it. Take a step towards it and then take another step towards it. Away from what you don't care about and toward what you do. Because I think that's where change lives. Okay, are you ready for your question? Mm-hmm. Okay. In a perfect world, in a perfect world, how would your, what change would happen because of your work? Okay. You'll see it on the internet. Okay. Thank you. Yep.